<laughs> Is that a statement about the weather? Blah. Blah. I think so. It's a little overcasty, blah, blah, blah. Hey, it's the Herald of Modcast coming from our studios in Overcast, Santa Monica. And uh, this is our 323rd episode. That sucks. No. <laughs> that sucks. Uh, this episode is about hidden gems and missed opportunities. And missed moppertunities. We're going to be, uh, we have a lot to get to. We've got uh, three films we're going to be talking about, uh, starting with. One, that it's having a big anniversary, the 10-year anniversary of the film Role Models. Kill me. Which is uh, a lesser-known film starring a lot of the crew from The 40-Year-Old Virgin, uh, including Paul Rudd, who also co-wrote it. Well, and the, like the state, the comedy troupe, the state, yep. David Wayne. David and- Wayne, director, writer of this. He also, you know, he did What Hot American Summer, Wonderlust. Mm-hmm. Um, his fellow writers include uh, Ken Marino, who also has uh, co-stars in the film. Um, it's Sean William Scott, Elizabeth Banks, Christopher Mintz Plus, uh, A.K.A. McLovin. Yeah, um, Bobby J. Thompson, Jane Lynch is in it. Ken Jeong's in it. Yeah, Doctor Ken. Uh, Ken Marino's in it. Like I said, Matt Walsh is in it. Carrie Kenny's in it. Nicole Randall Johnson's in it. Paul Rudd. Did we say Paul? We Rudd? We said Paul Rudd. Uh, it is it, so. It's having a ten-year anniversary, which I couldn't believe. I know that's fucking intense. It's currently streaming on on HBO, and you probably you may not have heard of this film, but it's so freaking funny. Yeah, it was funny when it came out. I mean, I've I can't believe I saw it now ten years ago. Yeah, maybe it was like eight or nine years ago when I actually, actually saw, saw it. Yeah. it. But yeah, it had been sort of under the radar this whole time, and I think it had a limited release at the time. It was a comedy that was rated R, which was taboo. Like, wasn't going to get a big release. No, and it's not sort of this resurgence of you know rated R films making it cool again, kind of thing. Yeah, as well before that. Paul Rudd looks exactly the fucking same. <laughs> I know, which fuck is you, funny. Paul Rudd. It's Why do you awesome. look the same? It's pretty hilarious. Why? Sean he William would, Scott looks like the same. He looks too, the though. same too. He looks good. Uh, oh yeah. But so the two of them work for an energy drink company. Yeah. And uh, Elizabeth Banks, Paul Rudd's girlfriend. Paul Rudd's very disgruntled. He's kind of the suit guy, and Sean. Um, William Scott dresses up in a Minotaur because that's the name that's of the drink. The, yeah, it's like Red Bull. <laughs> and basically. they drive around and tell kids to drink that instead of milk and yeah, water. <laughs> instead of uh, doing drugs. Oh, instead of doing drugs. And Paul Rudd gets like flips out and he gets angry and he drives the truck into a monument and they have to do either jail time or community service. Right. They end up going to Jane Lynch's um, community service organization called Sturdy Wings, which That's they all called. probably laughed so hard when they came up with that name. Yeah, man, it's really funny. <laughs> Sturdy Wings, and she's the one who runs it. And she's sort of like recovered addict. Yes, it's like crazy past, <laughs> and now she's all about being positive and like doing the right thing, and she doesn't take any guff or any crap from anybody and she can read people like an open book yeah. like she's, she's, she's funny at that she's man. totally quintessential jade link yeah you know? man. quintessential that 
person that works in you know rehab and yeah, like, you know, yeah, yeah. they always have you know that past you know <laughs> like horrible horrible things they've but done she says it all they do this video of the thing and she says it it's like a funny jane link yeah way. super you know, matter of fact drug addict yeah it's my hilarious. mother was forced by necessity become a whore yeah <laughs> like very matter of fact and like i've overcome this so i can talk about it and yeah. feel completely fine about it i have no shame in it this is my story uh but so they get paired up the two of them get paired up with their like big kids buddy to, program. yeah it's yeah. sort of like big brother and uh sean william scott's with young bobby j thompson who's young he's what 12 or 13 he's very young he's a young kid and then he's a little kid he's funny though paul rudd gets paired up with mclovin, McLovin and mclovin in this story is into role play yeah like medieval role play yeah yeah he's- which when we talked about this at the time in 2008 comic-con nerds weren't cool still no even then no comic-con was big then sure but it, it hadn't had Not this like, like now. cool nerd thing uh you know sort of take over there was no big bang theory and there was no game of thrones wasn't on the air there's no game of thrones there's no walking dead yeah there's no you know list goes on man and so it hadn't like today if you see it today you you probably wouldn't go oh that's so weird but back then it was funnier Super because subculture yeah it's, yeah it's it's made, he's a total nerd subculture and it's super like go to the park and dress up as medieval characters and f- duel yeah have fights and battles <laughs> and dr and ken houses. plays the king oh yeah dr ken's in it and he's like my favorite guy man he's so dr. Ken's funny so funny and super cool in person super down-to-earth guy that's cool One of the coolest guys i ever met in comedy yeah man and he's yeah he plays the sort of like pompous king and even yeah. and they eat at denny's after every battle <laughs> and they dress up in full regalia and he makes people kiss, kiss his, his ring, ring. yeah and he has like <laughs> loyal subjects and stuff it's so stupid he's probably like some it guy on, yeah. during the day you know and matt walsh is his lackey yeah he's like right hand he's like enforcer <laughs> look see that guy who's built like a brick shit house <laughs> That's right. it's like matt walsh <laughs> dad it's like dad bod guy <laughs> go for him yeah yeah it's funny but yeah we talk about like that would no longer be niche this whole no. it'd be like that would be the cool thing yeah that is makes this movie cool it wouldn't be the sort of like that's what you do you nerd you know which makes this an interesting film because it, as it as an example of something that could completely have a different meaning 10 years you know later yeah, when you see later. it at a different time and be like why is that nerdy it's like oh because that's truly nerdy yeah like this whole sort of flipping of the script is new yeah not, not nerds being nerds right nerds have always been nerds just now that it now it's kind of cool it's kind of cool to be nerds for how long you know we don't know till it fades away and yeah. fucks off and then comes back again such is life well Pointless, the people who think it's cool to be nerds are not true nerds no that's the key and that's like the key with most trends yeah the ones that aren't really are like oh it's so cool i'm just like such a nerd you're not a nerd are you you don't call yourself a nerd yeah nobody does that don't say that you're Did stupid people pick on you in high school and put you in a locker and were you reading comics no your whole i was life? Just captain of the football team but i always like going to movies yeah <laughs> like, yeah what? exactly it's become mainstream but this is when it wasn't mainstream but that said Even it's it's, it's extremely funny script 
Yeah, it's it, really well written. Very well written. And it holds up. You can so it has a high, a high rewatch value. It really does. It, yeah. You know, anytime it comes on, you can sort of leave it on and you're like, uh, and it's still funny. Yeah. It's, it's a good film, a good little it's almost like the Boondock Saints of comedy, sort of, where it's like yeah. anytime it's on, it didn't get You'll a lot of promotion. Yeah. You didn't really know about it but except by like word of mouth. I think my sister told me about it. And I was like, what? I didn't hear about this. This is like eight, nine years ago. Right. And you watch it, you're like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. Why wasn't this in theaters? It's better than, uh, you know, a uh, 40-year-old version. Well, not, no. It's better than it's a lot better of than comedies. Up, yeah. But it's It not, is better than Knocked Up. It's better up. than Knocked yeah. Up. But it's, it's, you know. It's, and it is, you do watch it and you go, oh my God, this movie's so funny. How come I never heard of this? Yeah. I mean, then I've heard about it once but, again. Heard right. For a very long time now. Well, <laughs> yeah. you have, but a lot of people haven't. And it, it they do I mean it's a really tight script they do this running sort of gag with Kiss like Sean William Scott's character loves Kiss a huge Kiss. Kiss fan yeah and then they at the end they all direct like they they have to form a new country and it's like Kissanthia Kiss my Anthea yeah Kiss my Anthea yeah, so they, yeah. <laughs> and it's like the four guys yeah and they're all like the four characters the four Kiss members it's really funny and he sings Beth to his girlfriend at the end yeah it's funny yeah, yeah it's it's then it's, it's rated R and it's definitely it doesn't it's definitely punches. rated R yeah you know with, con- with like language and stuff which is important yeah you know certain like that's how people talk i know and if you made it pg-13 it wouldn't be as funny you know right I, you know i get that in stand-up where it's like you want to be able to tell a joke without having to like how seinfeld says like if you, the punchline is fuck right and it's like you know you might want to rethink that joke but when you're writing scripted stuff how people talk Certain things are going to be more funny yeah. if you have them set, you know, written the way people really talk, especially right. you know people that are recovering addicts or you know, you know, like Jane Lynch's character. You know, <laughs> she says some She's really so funny. raunchy, funny it's super things. raunchy, but that's what makes it really funny because it's super matter of fact yeah. raunchiness <laughs> and like unapologetic. That's how I live my life. Yeah. Well, there's like this. I was there's this funny scene when they're going through the halls dealing with the kids in the beginning before they lose their before they get in trouble. Yeah, they get in trouble. And this one kid's making fun of them dressed up as a minotaur. Oh yeah. And so Paul Rudd's character he goes, "Oh, why don't you just call the kid goes? Why don't you just call that like the nerd thing or the this or the the cow?" And he's like, "It's not a cow. It's a minotaur." And those are hoofs that I took from your mother right after I fucked her. Yeah, like, right. You know, like, exactly. And, and the kids are like, huh? <laughs> I know, you know, it's, it has to be that. And it's really funny. Can't be like, like after I, I slept from, with her. Well, people probably hear that. They're like, that's horrible. But no, it's like in the context of it. It's very funny the way the two of them deliver it, too. And, like, you can fucking handle it, a turkey. You yeah. know what I mean? You remember, like, a, a fuck? You're upset, you dingbat, you silly goose. <laughs> turkey. What are you doing? Now, now you're offended. You ever heard someone say fuck, fuck, shit, fuck? <laughs> they have fuck, they listen bitch. to this show. Tit butt fuck ass. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, so... You can you can watch it right now on HBO or I'm sure uh, any other streaming service, and I, I highly recommend you see Role Models. Then you can be like, "Hey, have you guys seen Role Models?" Exactly. It's, it's, go- it's really fun. the 10 year anniversary. They've got flip phones in it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's fucking weird that that's 10 years ago. I know. I can't believe it. it yeah. Makes me like reassess my life. <laughs> What are, who are my role models? <laughs> yeah. Am I a role model to someone? Uh, I Have I know. done any role modeling no. in the last 10 years? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe with this. Maybe with this show, I finally have a, maybe a role model. Yeah, I think you're a role model to Jack Angel, maybe. 
Please. Maybe. <laughs> All I know is styrofoam at this point. Yeah. I'm just really off that styrofoam. Well, uh, so what else do we have? We have two films we're going to talk about that are one's in theaters and one is currently streaming. And they're both big missed opportunities. Uh, the first one is Tomb Raider, which is based on the popular game series, Lara Croft. And more specifically based on the new Square Enix read fucking revamp of the game series yeah completely new laura croft completely new story completely mm-hmm. new style of gameplay the first one came out in 2013 or 14 and it was fucking awesome everything about it was executed flawlessly as a third person adventure game mm-hmm. action adventure game and uh I play. I mean, I played that game like a few different times, all the way through. It's an awesome story. Yeah. It's great voice acting. It's great gameplay. Really fun, you know, um, platforming. And uh, I was just super impressed because the original Laura Crofts were always sort of fun. But mm-hmm. I had them on PlayStation Two, and the controls were always kind of funky. A PlayStation One, they were really hard to mm. handle. You know what I mean? They just they really sort of felt like Uncharted came out because it was. Uh, inspired by the original Tomb Raiders, and then the new Tomb Raiders were inspired by the Uncharted series, uh-huh. and they made it almost better. Really? Yeah, I really like. Yeah, no, I remember the Tomb Raider, the first one. I played the second one, whatever it's called, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and it's good too. And it's sort of more of the same, but that first one really stood out because it was like a fucking brand new turning over of a leaf for the series. Made it a whole new special thing. It was an incredible game. Incredible so there's game. high hopes for the film, as many f- people have trying to do this, you know, turn a video game into a movie and have failed. Numerous um, times. The track record is pitiful. Right. Pitiful. Uh, and Alicia Vikander plays Laura Croft. It made sense. Uh, Dominic West is in it. Walt Goggins, who we love, yeah, he's is awesome. the bad guy. He's the bad guy, and Dominic West is her dad, Richard Croft. Mm. And it's really pulled from the story of that first game, the Tomb Raider, the re, 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 revamp, the 2013 version. They even have Yama, the Yamatai, they have uh, Himiko Princess. It's this Japanese sort of, you know, tall tale about this, you know, forgotten island. And, you know, Himiko. You know, Raiders a, of the Lost Arky kind of thing. Well, yeah, in the game story, it's really tight, man. And, you know, it's a really interesting uh, plot. It You know, they get Laura's sort of taking up her, the father's helm and she goes to this he's island. He's missing. Well, they start in the film. He's missing. Oh, yeah. In the presumed film, dead. Presumed dead in the film. In the game, he's dead, dead. Like, there's no presuming about it. Uh, but, yeah, okay, we'll talk about the movie. Uh, the movie well, let sucks. me also just say that uh, it was directed by... Uh, uh, Roar Uthang, who's like a Swedish director, Norwegian director. Glad you got that out. I know. Uh, who's Well, I'm getting it out because he's really doesn't... I don't know why they picked him for this. He's got a lot of like, you know, Scandinavian credits. Oh. And then it's written by someone who's like currently slated to do everything right now, Geneva Robertson-Dwarat, who's writing the new Captain Marvel and also Sherlock Holmes 3. But she sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, maybe she didn't, but she doesn't have like this long history writing for games or even these kind of movies. And then it's uh, she co-writes it with um, somebody else who uh, also who wrote Trespass Against Us with Fassbender. And Brendan Gleeson. Oh, Gleeson. Uh, I never watched that. Sitting still 
turn or something like that. And I'm wondering if that came about because Fassbender and is married to Vikander. And he produced Assassin's Creed, which was another which is video disaster. game movie that sucked. And unfortunately, this sort of follows suit. Yeah. And, you know, the source material is so good that all they had to do is just not fuck it up. You know what I mean? And yeah. they fucked it up. It's a bad, underwhelming, it sort of left you wanting more and at the same time wondering where it went wrong, you know? Can you, do, well, so she's taking up where her father left off, but begrudgingly, because they do this whole setup in the film. For like 20 minutes. Yeah, it's of a long, her being a bike messenger. Yeah, and like a cool hipster bike yeah. messenger, man. Like, we're not a part of the system, man. We don't need your rules. We just need our packages and our bicycles. Right. And even though she has like a billion dollar trust, like, I don't need my just daddy's need money. It. I'm just barely scraping by, you know, dropping off. Uh, curries and samosas around London. Yeah, and then and then I'm gonna have a paint can race. And- <laughs> well, she also boxes, but they and they show her to be. And I remember hearing them do publicity for the film. They wanted to show that she wasn't like the kick-ass expert yet. So they painstakingly set up this whole. She's just a regular girl who's in shape and she's learning her way, kind of thing. Yeah, but she's this teeny, teeny, teeny. She's really she's small. Tiny. I mean, they gave her abs and stuff, but. I I mean, abs, schmabs, like she's tiny. But she's in shape. You buy that she's, well, she's like, definitely in shape. I mean, shape they have that and... whole thing in the beginning where she's in the ring with another woman and she sort of like gets her ass beat. Or right. Something. But she's tough and she can handle herself. I mean, the Laura Croft in the game is tough and can handle herself, but there's no backstory. The game starts with them on yeah. a boat that's sinking into the rocks outside of this island. And so that they, happens in the movie. That does happen in the movie, but it's just her and one other crew member that she travels to China. Like, there's a lot that happens a before t- they actually get to the island. It takes a lot to get to that, yeah. And they should have, I think, cut out a lot of that because there's so much that happens on the island in the game that they literally just got rid of right and really cool story elements that you shouldn't have just sort of like well we want to have her you know picking up food in the kitchen so we better just cut out all this really cool stuff that takes place on the island we want to have that cool bike race through london yeah we better like you know get rid of the yamatai soldiers and stuff it's really dumb well and you said this when we were talking about it your biggest gripe and was that the stakes were so low in this and compared to the game? Well, and it was such a small story compared to the game. Yeah. They had like two dig sites and in the second dig site, they find the ancient burial ground. Right. You know what I mean? And in the game, they sort of blended the first game and this new newer second game because they introduced the Trinity, which is a sort of supernatural secret society mm-hmm. that wants has their finger in every pie all across the world. They're sort of like the uh, you know Illuminati in a sense, and that doesn't get really introduced until the second game. But in the first game, mm-hmm. they have on the island like this crazy sort of cult that worships the Yumatai and Himiko, the sort of demon princess nice going turkey sorry about you got that, something folks. important going on <laughs> I'm trying to like tell people what this game's about you're on your phone fucking around with this volume up have you ever done a podcast before <laughs> yeah 323 of them really or more actually no that's nice uh go ahead sorry. what was i saying that they have these guys that worship yeah so they got rid of that whole th- that whole story element which is super cool because that's who she ends up fighting first where she sort of hones her skills as a tracker and hunter 
and that would have been cool to see in a movie frankly well yeah because when she gets to the island she sort of wakes up and she's already apprehended by walt goggins and trinity and what happens in the game is there is no trinity yet there's the sort of cult and the matthias the cult leader and stuff and then when she starts dealing with them she gets closer to really like the top of the summit where the uh hamatai uh you know fortress or castle is then you see like the ghost soldiers that are work that are sort of like zombie sold japanese Dang soldiers it. Why that fight they? for himiko and and in the game there's like a whole crew on the ship mm-hmm. and this is just the one guy and one of the crew members is this uh girl who gets captured and is going to be sacrificed to revive himiko the you know demon princess and there's none of that this story is way like, cooler what you're I know, describing it's so much cooler and it's like a really fun and it's cool in its own right like it didn't need a movie and that's that's a good point that i've been sort of reading about from game developers that make these really cool games like um, a good example is Naughty Dog they did Crash mm-hmm. Bandicoot but mm. they also did The Last of Us oh. and The Last of Us is one of the greatest game yeah. stories ever told and ever made and they're always like when's The Last of Us movie The Last of Us movie and then they finally released the same saying it's like we made a really good game mm. and it's a story that's complete in its own right mm. Yeah. and if you look at the track record of games to movies they kind of stink good. Yeah, And so it's like, why would we take this complete story that's like a, a 30-hour playthrough with brilliant voice acting and animation and uh, plot progression and then re- reduce it down to 90 minutes and have the opportunity for it to suck? Yeah. You know, and the games make hundreds of millions of dollars also. So right. it's like, why would we There's no point. give over? Yeah, it's like the games are so good now. Yeah. And this is another good example of that. This is Tomb Raider. It's like the games are already big movies that you can play through yeah so to hand over the reins to someone who only kind of gets it and then they put out this half-baked movie of a thing that was already really cool it's like it almost is like obsolete now you don't need it the one thing too and i we know this because we've gone to both nab and e3 um is that those two worlds and nab's like where all the pro gear film tv producers go to get their gear whereas e3 is all the gaming industry those two worlds don't communicate oddly like they they use a lot of the same gear but they don't communicate and so you have like filmmakers who really don't understand (laughs) gaming and gameplay or don't even play them until they get the job yeah okay i guess i'll half play this just to see what we can cut out you right. know, and it's, it's, I get it. As Naughty Dog, it's like, why the fuck would we make a Last of Us movie when the game is better than your movie? Right. And you just go play the game. It's awesome. It's yeah. a great fucking story, and it's an awesome game. And that's what this, this movie suffers from, is that I'd rather just go play that game yeah. again than watch this movie ever again. Because they really, they just clip its wings, and they re- make it's it so small. And, like, you know, fuck spoilers, watch out. Like, her dad's still alive and on the island, like, hanging out with Tom fucking Hanks, Castaway, with his fucking <laughs> volleyball. Yeah, it was a Taking like turns that. with the volleyball. Yeah. Doing horrible <laughs> things to that poor volleyball. And so he's there, like, whoa. 
I thought you were another ghost of my mind. Yeah. She's like, no, Daddy, uh, I love you. It's me. I'm really here. I'm grown up now. Yeah, and I know that. The time frame bow. was weird on that, too. She was a little girl, and now she's. it was only seven years, but she's a good grown up But then now. they did another. They did that yeah, one they extra did that flashback one extra, where she was like, like a teenager. Okay. okay. Oh, so seven years from that yeah, so flashback. You're what, I don't know. But, I don't know. But when they go, they finally go into the cave to find this. Which it was not a cave. It was the top of an awesome day. I think they yeah. had like budget constraints. It felt like it because I was expecting some shit to happen. Like huge shit. Sculptures turning into things. Like the like the Angelina Jolie one. Which was actually better I, set pieces. They were be- that, I think those they were bigger better budgets. movies yeah, actually. And I can't believe sucks. I'm saying that. I mean because the acting's shitty but it had big well, it's actors. cheesy. It's super it's tongue super and cornball. And I thought this was going to be like a real true sort of Indiana Jones Indiana jones et yeah sort of you know new franchise and they fucked it up yeah they did it's pretty bad and by the end of it you're sort of like ugh. even if you hadn't played the game you just feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities That's how i i haven't played the game i've watched you play the game but at the end of it i i just was like wait a minute why didn't anything come to life like in and then it was a disease it was like you get it plagued because I felt like they didn't have enough money. The funniest thing is when they go through all these little, all the little, uh, you know, pitfalls and yeah. and booby traps, and they get to the the um, the actual tomb of Himiko, and then they do this whole thing where it's all just smoke, like it's all just smoke and mirror it's like it's like an illusion there's a little crane and pulley system to make her seem like she's haunt so there is no haunting but there is a disease and she can carry the disease and it's a it's past like almost a zombie virus right but as they're going and it's like here are the thousand handmaidens that were sent and put on earth to protect himiko why did they come to life well that was the thing and they're all like lining the walls yeah all these bodies and you're just like okay so that's gonna happen like the mummy like Like you thought that that was gonna they're all going to come alive and Laura Croft is going to have to run and jump and dive and yes. kick and get out and they're all going to get buried within the, the fucking cave as it crumbles right. down. And, and, and like, why even introduce them? Yeah, as anything. you're not going to use them that way. And it seemed like a big budget cut. Yeah, Because to bring a thousand handmaidens to life with CGI is probably very expensive. Well, also... Like you mentioned that there was a big crew on the boat and there's only two of them. That's yeah. another thing that seems That's a budget. Huge thing. And also the the number of men on the island that are fighting against, there weren't yeah. that many. No. They, like no. there weren't like that five many. Guys. Yeah. Like of the of the Trinity people <laughs> yes. that were had to, were armed and like right. and there was, you know, a bunch of day labor bastards that were there. But it was very I mean, like think about Temple of Doom. Yeah, and how many like hundreds. there are all those kids in the pit, yeah. and like that the the whole ceremony, yeah, like that was men. so many people. Like you were expecting to see big numbers of people well, and cool effects. Yeah, and, and in the cult, there's like hundreds of these crazy mm-hmm. like cult worshippers that are like worshiping the the blood god of Himiko, and right. they're trying to revive her. They're trying to bring her back to life because in the game, the island itself is sort of alive in the sense that it has all these different weather systems and mm-hmm. the ghost of Himiko can control the weather and that's why like most boats that try to get there sink in the ocean because it sh- it'll create a hurricane around the island Yeah, and it doesn't let people leave like there's a couple times when they try to call in air support in the game like a helicopter and the helicopter gets struck by lightning and it seems on purpose and it yeah. is on purpose because it's a supernatural entity you know so it's a whole other layer in the game of the story and you know you get to go to like the underground 
underground pits where they locked it, lock up people, and there's like a blood river where they that's would do their so much cooler. Yeah, I mean, well, that's <laughs> know, the thing. Like, you could just play yeah. the game, then you know. And <laughs> this, and just the, whole, and then the other thing with Walt Goggins' character was he works for Trinity, mm-hmm. except and he's but he's a non-believer. Which is weird. Which is super weird because Trinity, the whole thing is that he, and he's like, I just want to get back to my family. And so he, he's sort of like, I'm not really a bad guy, but I'm the antagonist. But he is a bad guy because he just kills people. He kills people outright, but then he's like, I, I've been here it's seven just years. Money. It's just the money. For I him. don't know. I guess, but he doesn't he, believe in anything. Yeah, so you it's never like, get the motivation there. No, you don't get the motivation. So you don't really feel as like he's much as much of a threat or when he is finally taken out, no spoilers, you don't really, it's not as satisfying because yeah. he wasn't like really willing to die for he's like i'm just doing my job you you're know? right that like it sort of weakens he's not like a mad crazed antagonist that is like is this is his life struggle like this like is jora his... in the like who plays in the original the guy who plays jora on game of thrones yeah. is the bad guy or in the, temple ori- of doom in the, with the yeah. crazy fucking you know cult leader in india that yeah. guy was fucking insane and yeah you, that's what makes it higher stakes right and, and Walt Goggins was like, see, I don't believe in any of this. It's all just smoke yeah, and mirrors. Yeah, it was weird. Like, you're right. Like, yeah. you work for a co- the Trinity Illuminati supernatural. Yeah. Like, that's your guys' thing. They downplayed that. Like, they clearly set it up like they were going to have a sequel because... Well, that's the whole Kristen point of introducing... Scott Thomas is kind of like... She's running her father's company in his absence. And throughout the movie, they're trying to get her to sign that he's dead. And yeah, she so won't she'll get do it. And she, so she'll get a trust. But also, so Kristen Scott Thomas, who turns out to be... No Spoilers, part of Trinity, but you don't find that out till the end. And that's in the second game where and, you find yeah. out that she's was working for Trinity the whole time and has her own motivation. And yeah, yeah. And, and that's at the end of the game. The, another stupid thing is when she's about to sign the trust. The fucking lawyer guy pulls out that puzzle. He's like, "I'm not supposed to uh, give yeah. you this until you sign she it. Solves it." And she solves it right there before, without signing it, yeah. which is so dumb. Like, why would you give? Why would you even show it to her until she signed the papers? Right. She didn't. Now she didn't sign. She's off on a fucking adventure to the random Japanese island that may not or may not well, exist. She, and you don't really, after seeing her, like just trying to make her way riding a bike. Yeah, you and don't rejecting really rejecting the house. It doesn't right. make sense that she would go off on that adventure. Really, just right? Like that she that. really wants to find her father. Yeah, who is maybe alive? Maybe I don't know. But then is actually alive. Yeah, know. it was not good. No, it was not good. It was a bummer, it's and like I, I wanted it to be very good. Yeah. And then the reviews came. I'm like, "Oh, this is not going to be good." Yeah. And you know, sometimes you think, "Oh, maybe we'll enjoy it." You know, or I'll enjoy it. People don't like it. I might enjoy it. So you nope. go to a matinee because it's much cheaper. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like hedging your bets on this thing. And I wasn't going. We were uh, eventually. We were at one point not going to see it at all because you're like, "Ugh, I don't even know if it's worth even going to see." Yeah. And in theaters, I would say, no, you can miss this one. Well, and that's a big thing we talk about and everyone talks about today is that you have to be so careful what you pick to see in theaters because it's expensive to go to the movies. It's really expensive. And like, and it, it gets more expensive like every year, it, it seems. It does. And like, here's a big tip that you may already know of is, yeah, go to an 11 a.m. movie because guess what? It's half the price. Any movie before noon. Or more than, less than half the price. Now it's like less because it's fucking 15 it's bucks. Like, here it's like $7 to go to an 11 a.m. And I know that we have a higher price ticket than the rest of the country. Because like the rest of the country, the average is still like $12 to mm-hmm. go. 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. Whereas ours are like $18. Yeah, 15 to 18 yeah. so for one it's ticket. It's like half or even le- a, even yeah. a, Even a matinee at 
2 p.m. is like $15, right. $16. But then before noon, anything before noon is like seven fifty. Seven. Yeah. You know, like that's it. Seven dollars. So wait till Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Go to an 11 a.m. movie. Don't, you know. Yeah. Sometimes they have 11.45. You know, as long as before noon. Bob's your uncle. Because it's just crazy. If some of these movies, because I do like to go to the movies, but I can't justify paying it if I'm going to go once a week, paying $30, $40 for like the two of us or me and whoever to go. It's just crazy. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, I would give it like a 5 out of 10. Yeah, like a 5. Almost, I think we have to doom this one. Yeah, 4.5. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. doomworthy. It's, it's funny doom-worthy, that like... doomworthy, 4.5. Alicia Vikander and Michael Fassbender are both married and both made stink-ass video game movies. Hers isn't as unwatchable as his. His no, is literally unwatchable. Kind of unwatchable. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck Assassin's is going Creed. on? At least hers has like a beginning, middle, and end. It just is yeah. a bad beginning, middle, and end. Well, I mean, hers is bad... As a comparison to the game, I think like, it's really bad. It, it, it's really bad game. comparison to the game. I think that it's okay as a movie if you have nothing to do, but you're still disappointed by like you're waiting. Yeah, you're disappointed from a legacy by perspective it. of seeing these kind of movies. You're expecting more. Assassin's right, Creed right, yeah. is an unbelievable missed opportunity because think about all the material there too. Yeah, hundreds like, of boom. years of different fucking time periods. Yeah. That, and that's what you came up with, this sort of like bleached, sanitized, whatever version. Yeah. Condensed. It always feels so condensed. I know you can't make a, you know, 30, 40 hour campaign into a 90 minute, two hour movie. But man, it always feels really just fucking reduced to a point where you're like, even as a movie, this is fucking bummer well i really maintain that it's because these two worlds don't speak the same language and they they there aren't the same kind of writers and filmmakers in both of them and so you can't the that gap like having someone who really understands the game and also really understands how to make movies that they don't they're they're not there i guess not but in this day and age everyone does everything and video games are more mainstream than ever but playing them and being a filmmaker is one thing Knowing how to write a script and a story for a video game and understanding user experience and working in that industry is mm-hmm. another. And the people who can do that aren't people who make movies, too, you know? I guess not, man. But I mean, just still, I mean, this day and age, it's, you know, the information age. Yeah. You know, you think you can find good people. You look at the credits of these games and it's hundreds of people. Yeah, like, the, like on movies. Yeah, but it's, hundreds. Yeah. You think between, like, the two worlds, you'd get, you know, a team of 20 people that would could put together a movie from a game and make it good. Yeah. Not just like, okay, you did it, you well, know? From a, a effects perspective, animation perspective, yes. But from a story writing perspective, no, I don't think so. Not yet. Or not ever. I, I don't think that those continually two stinks. Yeah, and 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 like and then the the point being that the better that you know the better games get, the higher the faster the processing, the higher the you know mm. frame rates or whatever the fuck, the less there's going to be a need for video game movies. Sure. They're just not going to need them. Yeah, you know, and and if the, this is the trend, it is sort of going backwards with a franchise. Mm. You know, they put so much work into that game, those last two games. Now there's a third one coming out at the end of this year called Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and it's going to be a continuation of mm. the second game of Trinity. It's like, 
They, so they, just wait for that. Yeah, they already have, <laughs> they already have like a trilogy coming out for this game. Yeah, and the movie stinks. Yeah, and I get it. If I was a big game company, like, why would I sell you my you know my Far Cry series or my fucking Assassin's Creed series or whatever just to have some shoddy product come yeah. back? Yeah. Well, all right. So we're gonna doom this at four point five. I'm gonna say. Yeah. Fuck that. Uh, also, another missed opportunity, the film Downsizing, starring Matt Damon, uh, Christoph Waltz, uh, Kristen Wiig, written and directed by Alexander Payne, along with his writing partner, Jim Taylor. Both of them won an Oscar for their film Sideways. Uh, Alexander Payne also won for uh, his other film, The Descendants. Uh had high hopes for this film because of all this. We are big fans of Alexander Payne. Yeah, his catalog goes way back and is always pretty awesome and About very Schmidt, unique. Schmidt, uh, The Descendants. Election. Uh, Election, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Sideways. A, yep. He's a great filmmaker. Uh, he's really good at sort of nailing, uh, making funny or making a cool story out of something that's just sort of mundane life in a way very yeah yeah. very slice of life yeah one small family in one part of nebraska usually or one school between one teacher and one student yeah and it's this giant story right it's it's really like it's almost the writing the writing's always good mumblecore except you can't call it mumblecore because it's good yeah (laughs) it's like good you know not just feigning good so, I mean, the premise sounds really funny. It's Matt Damon and Kristen Wiig who are having money troubles. They're this, you know, middle America, middle income family. Um, and they uh, they decide there's a thing, a, a scientist in Sweden mm-hmm. uh, discovered or Norway, or Nor- or Norway, Norway. discovered uh, that you could shrink people down. Yeah. And this is sort of 15 years later after yeah. the initial discovery is where Matt Damon and Kristen Wiig are sort of like reassessing their lifestyle yeah. and their finances. And it's, so it's sort of almost a sci-fi thing in a sense, you know, Yeah, With the, there's this whole new way of living that's right. been introduced to the entire world. To shrink, you know, to decrease the carbon footprint on the earth. Like, and you also have a lot more money. Yeah, your money's worth, you know, exponentially more when you yeah. shrink down as it would be. You're literally the size. Like, You're like six inches, can right? Fit on yeah. A tabletop. Yeah. You're like a Dungeons and Dragons size. Yeah. Like <laughs> You're an action w- figure. Warhammer. Smaller. Yeah. Totally. Uh, 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 You're a reaction figure. Yeah, G.I. Joe. Yeah. Something like that. And, About that size. Uh, so Matt Damon's like, let's do it. I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And he, they, I mean, you already know this from the trailers, which I really wish they hadn't shown everybody, but... Um, oh, yeah, because the first half an hour is like, will they or won't they? And then they agree, and then you already know what happens. Yeah. Because you saw that quick flash of it on the trailer. Right. Which is like such let's a Let's not bummer. tell people in case they didn't see that trailer. I don't care about people. Yeah. <laughs> but so, well... No, we are going to tell you because it's pertinent to this review. Uh, Kristen Wiig decides not to do it at the last minute. Yeah. And so he's there on his own and then somehow screws him in the divorce and he ends up like not being rich as a small guy, too. Yeah, he has to work the, a day job. Yeah. Customer service job. And his same life, basically. The same shitty life he had before he was small. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Well, the thing about it is it's a super extensive process to shrink down you got to shave your head and your body hair and your fillings and they put something up your ass so you don't shit yourself they shrink you down and you're naked and so she couldn't do it 
and he has already shrunk when he gets this phone call from her. Yeah. And she has like her head shaved and half an eyebrow and all that shit. <laughs> and so they get a divorce and he's in his house and it's this giant mansion. And right. then after the divorce, it's like this shitty apartment. Right. You know, and he has this like ding dong sort of girlfriend that doesn't want to see him anymore. And he's like single yeah. mom girlfriend. And then he has a super sexy upstairs neighbor. Euro trash. Yeah. Euro trash. Dushan. And uh, who has this elaborate, huge, huge apartment over apartment. the top of his shitty, shitty little apartment. one? It makes it, no sense. It was really weird because yeah. there was like a dance floor and I an know. infinity pool. And I know. This giant, like, multi. It's like, are we in the same building? Yeah, it was kind of silly. You're like, what? But I mean, the concept of it, and, and combined with the fact that it's Alexander Payne, it sounded funny to me. I was like, that could be cool. But. What happens is like this and this is the reverse of Tomb Raider in mm-hmm. that they should have kept the stakes much smaller Pun and they intended. weave this like big story, story that makes no there's no reason it would have been funny just him being small having his wife well, left and in. the further they get into this sort of you know this heady story the less it has to do with being small like right. he could have been a regular sized guy going through this existential crisis yeah. like you sort of lose sight that he is even shrunk at all any of them are shrunk you, you quickly lose sight of that that whole as a reality. premise yeah and the thing about it is that premise is really interesting because it does raise some like interesting comparative socioeconomic um you know sort of concerns and taboos like there's that drunk guy at the bar and he's like you guys shrinking down he's all drunk they're like yeah we're gonna do it he's like do you guys think you should have like a whole vote yeah as a small person or just like half a vote and they're like hey man we're just trying to have a nice drink because i don't think you should maybe like a quarter of a vote like you guys aren't you you're not giving back to the economy so why should you be able to vote on what we big people and like oh and like you get out of your smallies they're sort of like small uh, you know segregation or not segregation but you know hatred or whatever well, that you're right that's what's interesting because that would be that's a cool plot line they don't pay taxes they're small but right. I mean, their argument is that they're so small that they're not taking up they're not, they're not destroying yeah. the environment but then you're dealing with people who don't this. care about the environment like it would mm-hmm. be similar parallels to a lot of the fights going, going on, on today. right now yeah it's interesting and they they completely ditch that for some sort of bigger like end of world what's it all about thing well and him finding meaning helping like there and there, there's like barrio people living in the small world the which small makes world, no sense it, it you know the way they set up some the small world it makes no sense no it's like how the fuck would they have been able to afford this procedure only to go and live in poverty right and like unless they, they know were medicine, forced. unless she they find were people forced. are forced by government. Some and of them stuff. are forced, right? You know, they like border jump or something, and then they shrink them down. And but I feel like because there's like a maid service, yeah. And all the maids are poor, destitute people that live like outside of the walls. And Matt Damon goes with them, right. and Sees how bad it is. But I feel like even if you were a maid, I feel like you would have been given some sweet deal to shrink down and clean houses. Absolutely, you'd be your kids would be taken care of. You'd have your own house. Yeah, you wouldn't you know? be living in the no, squalor because it's so cheap to yeah. afford that for even just the workers. And there would be there'd be a whole working class in Smallville, right? In small, but it the, wouldn't be. I mean, they live in a building that looked like dread. Yeah, like that it was. Movie dread. It was that bad. It was like this giant 
Yeah, like, it was like dirt many walls. Many stories, yeah. Like one room apartments with a, like a, a fucking hot plate and, you know, It looked no a little bathroom. futuristic. It looked yeah. almost like... It almost looked like Elysium. Remember yeah, that movie with Matt Damon? Yeah, another yeah, one with another Matt Damon. fucking Matt Damon. He's everywhere. But now that like you brought up the point about you know the guy at the bar like don't you think it would have been cooler just to have it be like that the small people's world was threatened by big people yeah because that's the thing that would happen so you've got this guy who who probably echoes a lot of america that they're like why do these people get all these things and why you know they don't have to pay taxes they get everything yeah you have someone like threatening to like step on them yeah Yeah. that would be like a terrorist thing or just be like some guy walking on the property yeah like terror is like you know thousands of small people have been killed from one footstep right you know? and it would have been funny and it would have been it would have still had the theme of the downsizing yeah and it just the movie literally is almost like two separate movies the first half is about yeah. downsizing and all of the quirkiness of like look it's a real size bottle of vodka but it can we can all drink out right. of it and the whole town can use it as a vodka source and then it loses that and it becomes like the world's going to end and how do we save it? And it's like 2012, the movie. Should yeah. We all hide yeah. It's out? like three separate movies, really, when it's you think weird. about it. Because yeah. then they go, at one point, they take this trip to Norway and meet the guy and they the, go to the original uh, civil small yeah. civilization whatever and he meet the, well, the, the one of the maids is like becomes his love interest who is this Vietnamese dissident who is then forced to be small and loses her leg and yeah. she came over to America in a TV box to a Best Buy and she was like one of 14 little Vietnamese people that survived right. and then she's becomes a maid and that was like her punishment was to just go well, and live and out her days I'm sorry to say this but another thing that was like made it almost most hard to watch was her freaking voice the accent was very strong it's so like hard to listen to it's like piercing it is piercing and it's constant yeah like she becomes basically like the cartoonish well and she you becomes know? like the main character of the film yeah. uh, you know after after they're introduced and it becomes matt damon paying for this fucking foot that he breaks her he breaks her prosthetic foot and yeah. so the whole new storyline is matt damon needs yeah, a new foot. It's all over the place this film. Yeah, well I just feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah. And it could have been lighter and funnier it and still made so some funny. really good points about yeah. just our conditions right now with this sort of right. little people small world, you know, point of view. And, well, and what's interesting just too strays from that for like a bigger design which is odd coming from a guy who excels at taking small stories and making them it's awesome like what he's known just, for yes so like that was very it, it's like almost seems like why did you direct this film like he just wasn't the right guy i don't know if it was his story the writing like when did i was i wanted, was there like an original draft where it was just literally about downsizing and the tiny people trying to live in the yeah. world share the world with you know large americans that are angry at them for getting small yeah and then they were like now nah, we need to make it bigger grander you know because there are pieces of this film where he gets into the story where he's helping her and that is where you see alexander Payne again like just that piece of it it's like Okay, he can create these characters in this thing. But like all these other pieces of it, just mm-hmm. it didn't work, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it, it would have been better served by, I don't know, I'm trying to think who could have done a film like this and just made it. Rob Schneider. No, I mean, really, like David Wayne, like those guys, you know? They could have made or, it funny. Or Will Ferrell and his 
buddy. I guess so. Yeah. Like they like something where it became just about the comedy, but also wove in oh, the Adam social McKay. comedy. Adam McKay. Yeah. Yeah, because he well, won Adam an Oscar. McKay, for yeah. Shortstop or the big short. Quick short. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Adam McKay actually would have been a more interesting director for this film. Or writer. Or writer for Because he, yeah. he won the screenplay for Big Short. That's true. And that had a whole gang of, you know, political, social commentary. Yeah. That's based on your story. But, I mean, yeah, I just feel like it was sort of a missed opportunity because the yeah. premise is good. It's right. a good enough premise to make it super realistic. Like, they go to, a, you know, an orientation and it's little Neil Patrick Harris yeah. in this giant oh, sprawling yeah. mansion. And then Laura Dern, of course, makes an appearance because she's in all the movies. And right. he's sort of like, what did you do today, honey? And she's yeah. like, well, I went to the spa and then I went jewelry shopping. I got a tennis bracelet, diamond earrings matching. And he's like, what did that set us back? And she's in the you know, cloth yeah. tub in this mansion. And it's zoomed in really tight. So they look like real sized people to this you know room of Matt right. Damon before he shrinks. Oh, $83, yeah, you yeah. know, like that kind of thing. And so there's like a lot of things that it makes it seem as realistic as it could possibly be in this day and age. Well, and that whole sequence up until he downsizes is actually pretty good. Yeah. Like that's I was where, into it. It, yeah, he was struggling. He was bored. He had the same job at the same place for like, he goes to that same restaurant, gets the same food, you know, well, and that's Alexander Payne. Yeah. Like that's what he's good at showing this mm-hmm. sort of like, regular monotony oh man <laughs> i think we need to i think i need a new podcast friend <laughs> a new podcast pal I said it. mouthful of marbles monomaha maha mahogany monotony monogamogamy monotony monogamy no but mahogany. he he's good at nailing that and he does and like the whole sequence with the mother like when you're when you so sort of like because they started at the discovery of the downsizing and then five years later and, and then, then 10, 10 years, years later. later yeah and you sort of see him through these periods it's too the same guy except he gets the house after his mom dies yeah. and it's the house he grew up in as a kid like these are all very alexander Payne right things choices which are cool well and like, the guy in the bar too that whole scene was very that was a cool scene yeah. it was short but it was impactful You're like scene. yeah it kind of is and it sort of opens up this whole uh dialogue that isn't really revisited again once he shrinks down i kind of wanted mm-hmm. to see that storyline played out throughout the rest of the film yep. and see what his life was like as a small person being small and like what, you know, what the ramifications are. Yeah, meet a nice girl or something. I don't right. know. And he meets a girl, but then he goes on this sort of like pilgrimage. Yeah. I it was, know. yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. What would you give this? I mean, I'd give it like a f- five and a half. Five and a half. Yeah. I'd just not doom it. It's just enough in there to not doom not it. Not doom it. And yeah, it's funny because this is like, I guess, his most least interesting film. It's his biggest miss, I think, because I can't name another one of his films that I didn't love. Love. Yeah. Like really like. It really resonates. And, you know, it's, one of the, it's another kind of movies that you can go back and watch again. And there's little things you miss. Because yep. like Nebraska so good. So good. Yeah, man. Ugh. Bill Hader. I mean, uh, Will Forte. <laughs> so good. Loved him in it. Yeah. yeah. It's a really fucking tight film. Yeah. It's funny. Well, and The Descendants. Descendants I mean, is George really good. Clooney 
was so great in that. I mean, mm-hmm. that whole that I love that film. That film is worth revisiting too if you haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, but this thought, this film will not be revisited. Hell no. No. Uh, yeah. So I'd say we're giving that a five and a half out of ten. Yeah. Big miss. Big miss. Missed opportunity. Two Mr. Stinkers. We still have to see Ready Player One. We haven't seen that yet, but That'll we be next. will. Yeah, we'll see that. Uh, and also, uh, I think we're going to see A Quiet Place, which is the Krasinski film. Oh, the, the with his wife, wife, Emily Blunt. The, like, it's getting really good buzz, and it's supposed to be very scary. The couple's film. That's kind of funny. Yeah, I kind of want to see that. It's kind of corny, but yeah, maybe we'll see it. And, uh, of course, uh, Infinity War comes out at the end April of the 27th. month yeah, yeah it's already april of this year kill me it's fucking april 2018 yeah fucking month ago it was january uh yeah it was more than a month well time wise it was more than a month yeah feeling wise it feels like fucking last week i know uh so we have those coming up and uh also oh yeah walking dead <laughs> oh yeah there's that we're going to do a twofer this weekend uh, because you did not see the one on Easter. I didn't see I don't know. I haven't seen like the last two or three. It's it, the This last one was ridiculous. Even It went even right. farther down the realm of ridiculous like, because Jadis is in it and she's captured Negan and she's basically living in like an Ikea, Ikea showroom in the heap hunt. Whatever. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Anyways, we'll get into that and where they're going with that you're whole season. Me. You're losing me. You're losing me. You're losing me. Losing me. Uh, and as always, go to our website, thehmcnetwork.com for more podcast episodes. You have an interesting game review series coming up. Oh yeah, I'm gonna. Well, I'm gonna do the uh, sort of wrap up review of the latest uh, Telltale Batman season. Cool. Because the last episode just came out, so I'm going to sort of wrap up that series, give my final thoughts on it. And I'm going to do a two years in uh, Nintendo 3DS spot about uh, its relevance, the uh, my experiences with the system. It's a handheld system. It's The, the one I have is the new Nintendo 3DS XL, mm. and it's quickly become maybe one of my favorite gaming consoles oh. ever handheld or at home entertainment and just with the new release of the switch which is both it's portable and home entertainment and see like you know where it falls and how long people think it's going to last now and Mm -hmm. its significance because i think back and i've had nintendo handheld systems since like the late 90s early 90s game boy color and i was thinking about it like i've had a nintendo portable gaming system <laughs> like every few generations wow. for the last 15 years or something so Yikes. give some insights you know and so i'm going to just talk about the titles that i've had the games that i've played and what i think is the future holds for the nintendo 3ds because it's really is one of the best handheld systems ever cool internet capabilities it's awesome that sounds like a neat series i'm looking forward to that oh thanks shorty balls oh thanks shorty balls all right, folks, that's it for us on the Herald of Modcast. As always, uh, you're jerks. You are jerks, as always. See ya.